curated by Future Forum, this is part four of the 20 Minute City podcast. A little longer than 20 minutes, a conversation with some interesting people at the intersection between their sense of well-being and the city we live in. Welcome to season two. I'm Dino Vrignos, creative director of Future Forum, architect and director of Dust Studio. Over this eight-part series, we're going to introduce you to some inspiring young people charting a course forward here in South Australia and beyond. The movers and shakers, the innovators and disruptors, the elite performers and the unicorn makers. They will share their story, their trials, tribulations and triumphs. And we'll have a bit of fun the way to. Hi, my name is Carmen Garcia. I proudly lead the team at Community Corporate as the founder and CEO. Carmen's story is very much shaped by her heritage and upbringing, serving as the foundation for the profound impact she has had on the lives of many migrants charting their own courses. A force of nature, Carmen's deep appreciation for the value of diversity and community has allowed her and her team at Community Corporate to facilitate career pathways for hundreds of migrants around the country. Carmen is all about empowering people and leading from behind to see a path and help remove the barriers together. And with that, let's get started. Where we must, at the beginning. Our 20 minutes starts now. So thanks for participating in 20 Minutes City. We like to start always at the beginning and, you know, what's your story? Tell us, has it always been Adelaide? It has always been Adelaide for me. I was born um, in Adelaide um, to a mum who was a migrant from the Philippines and my dad is Australian. Um, I was raised in Blairathel, which is why I picked this amazing place of the Migration Museum um, because we'd take the 182 up Prospect Road, come into the city and I remember looking at, you know, um, Elder Park and the Torrens River and just thinking, you know, what an amazing city it was. Went to school here and I proudly now have base a national company out of Adelaide and I wouldn't do it anywhere else. And so getting to the point where you have this amazing national organisation that does so much good, has that always been a straight line or has it been a bit windy? It's always been windy but, you know, we we learned that, you know, if something comes too easy, you never really get to appreciate it. Um, I raised Elder Park because I remember going on um, school excursions and this was in the day before food allergies where we could actually share lunches with other children so that reveals my age. But ultimately, you know, I remember sitting at the park with all our lunches in the big crate and the teachers passed them out and I just started eating my lunch like every day and I remember feeling like 20 sets of eyes just staring at me when I looked up, I realized everyone was eating Vegemite and cheese sandwiches and fritz and sauce. And I had stinky dried fish and rice. And, you know, I didn't probably realize at the time because I was quite young, but I came home to my grandma who actually came over from the Philippines to help raise me, which is why I'm really connected to my culture. And she said, they just don't know about the Philippines. So we went to the Asian grocer, we bought all the ingredients and we made fried rice, pancit, which is like a Filipino noodle and spring rolls, and we brought it to the school. And then I got to share my story and culture. And that's where I realized there were so many other children in the school from Greece or Italy or Vietnam, and we just never had opportunity to talk about multiculturalism, our global city in Adelaide. You talked about your your grandmother coming to help raise you. That sounds like it was a pretty significant part of your life. Maybe just talk a little bit more to that in terms of what that means within a place like Adelaide. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, in Filipino culture, we have a saying, you know, charity starts at home, but that doesn't mean, you know, the core home. That means the community. So, you know, um, whether it was a school community, the the local church group or the community centre, I was raised to volunteer at the age of 16. So when I got my driver's licence and my P's, I was driving the little old ladies to doctor's appointments, taking them to the shops and just hearing other people's stories. And you're really hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't resonate with a migration story it might not be them it might be their parents but there is that connection so in terms of community corporate and our business people can really find um, a, a direct point of reference of why it's so important to create global opportunities for our international community in Adelaide it's, it's the things that we put so much emphasis and pride in the food and wine and the culture that we have is actually a significant component of what we have that we are proud of as South Australians is derived from these global kind of ideas that have found a, a home and have deep roots in South Australia now, like the Barossa with the Germans and the Lutherans that came over when they did and, you know, the fruit and veg markets and this sort of thing. It's largely been driven by migrants that come, have come to, to Adelaide. Yeah, I think what, what's been great about Adelaide for me, my family and the broader multicultural community is um, diversity has been embraced. We, it might, we might not be public about it, but, you know, every single culture, over 200 now residing in South Australia, have their own little multicultural festival. They have all these occasions. And now more and more, I think, you know, the wider community want to experience that. You know, COVID has really highlighted the opportunity where we wanted to travel and go overseas where we could go to the local festival and still experience some really traditional, authentic street food from Vietnam, the performances, the culture and their stories. That's what I love about the 40 Under 40. It's about surrounding myself with people who make my impossible seem possible. You know, there are amazing entrepreneurs with multi-million dollar global businesses run out of Adelaide. They've got young kids. They're exactly like me. It gives me the fuel and fire to know I can do it too. Um, surrounding myself with these amazing people, that's why I love it so much. There's a bit of a secret sauce there and I think it's very much who you are as a person, your upbringing and the lineage of ideals from your you know, Filipino background, how important has that been in shaping everything that you've done since? I think if I was to look back at, you know, 20-year-old Carmen, there wasn't a clear algorithm that I've now got, but I can piece together the story and the experiences that really has driven and shaped my values and what I think is important and the lessons and, you know, tribulations that I've experienced or my mum as a migrant has experienced and making sure we remove those barriers and make it an easier process for the next person. Um, I think that for me, it it really does come down to, you know, loving what you do. You know, I always say now, I, I don't have a job, it's just who I am. Um, and I think it's such a privilege to be an Adelaide girl and have turned my passion ultimately into a profession. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back with the rest of our chat with Carmen. In all we do... We strive for better. Better processes. Better relationships. Better outcomes. We challenge convention. And refuse to accept the way it is. As the way it should be. We are generous with our time. And with each other. Because we believe that giving is better than taking. And what do we do? Well, we are makers. Makers of spaces. Makers of solutions. Makers of joy. Making a difference to make every day better. At Dust Studio, 
we make better. So, we've heard Carmen's story, and now we're going to talk some more about her calling as an advocate for those without a voice, and the ripple effect that this has on communities. Talking about the Adelaide piece in particular, how has your career benefited from Adelaide? Do you think that what you've done might have been possible elsewhere? I mean, look, I know this is a cliche and probably not what you want me to say about all the close connections and collaboration, but I think it's about comparing competition to collaboration. In Sydney and Melbourne, there's a lot more hustle. People don't actually support and rally behind each other. I think for me, I've really built a community around my business and that's been the big difference, that people want me to succeed. People are proud. We recently won the National Social Enterprise of the Year at the Australian Small Business Champions Awards. And I was so chuffed at how many people from Adelaide, like amazing people I look up to and role models in this state, sent me emails or text messages and said, you make SA great. And I just thought, yeah, I've got a whole state behind me. There is not competition. It's only, you know, commendation. So that's interesting. So that idea of um, a collegiate kind of environment here where, you know, there's a sort of maybe an Australianism of the tall poppy syndrome. Is that something that you think that is different here? Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, like I said earlier, it's about building on each other's experiences and success. We don't pull up the ladder behind us. We actually help lay out the steps for each other. But the challenge for every entrepreneur, including myself, was getting comfortable with asking for help and outsourcing my weaknesses. You know, no one's good at everything. took me a long time to hand over the financial reins to the accountant, but we got there and knowing that there are a amazing people that have got skills in areas that I don't have and building that ecosystem um, is what I think makes Adelaide so successful because we it's about relationships. You also have two children, two young children that you've raised as well as build this business at the same time. How important has Adelaide been in helping support that balancing act Well, I think, you know, the one thing every working mum shares is the guilt about spending quality time with your children when you do have a job and particularly an executive or a high demand job. Um, So what I love about Adelaide is that it is a 20-minute city where we can have quality and we're not wasting time in traffic. Um, The education system, I think, in South Australia is world-class and the opportunities is really the gift I want to give my children. I want them to be able to do whatever they want to do and I want them to be able to do it in Adelaide. So it is really great to see some of the initiatives of us now charging forward with tech and defence and aerospace and, you know, opening up those opportunities because you can do anything from anywhere now and why not Adelaide when we have such a safe environment where the quality of life is so high and uh, we live actually in Mylor, which is just out of Handorf. We've got a hobby farm, so we've got, you know, chickens and miniature pigs and alpacas and a Shetland pony and it's 35 minutes up the freeway in traffic. But ultimately, you know, we we can escape the hustle and bustle of the city. We can opt in. That's the beauty of Adelaide. You want to go to a beach. You want to go to a museum. You want to go um, and just hang out at a park and just hear the birds. Like we can be in West Croydon, which is where my offices are, and I sometimes park out the, outside to make a few calls before I go into the office. And people always say, are they birds? And I say, yeah, I'm in Croydon, 10 k's out of the city. Is there a particularly favourite spot? Is it Milo? Is it the is it the hobby farm, or is there something else about Adelaide that 
is always the thing that you crave when you go away? I travel a lot for my business because it's obviously national and I just get this sense of safety and comfort every time I fly over the CBD as not a hierarchy as uh, some other states, but it just feels like home. And I do love visiting Sydney and Melbourne and it's great, but I go there for business. I go there to keep up with the pace and make new opportunities and convince them to come to Adelaide and work with us and show them that we are driving from the forefront um, in our state. But coming home, yeah, I think, you know, this Elder Park, Torrens, the festival centre, seeing that that landmark as I fly over to Adelaide Airport, it, I just feel, yeah, safe and happy and I wouldn't live anywhere else in the world. So I'm sure there's been trials and tribulations. Are there any particular moments where you've sort of wanted to just pack it in and say, like, I'm done, I want to go do something else? I think one of the, the biggest barriers to unleashing my own potential was myself and that self-belief that I could actually do it and I was trying to do something that there wasn't a, a previous formula or model to go by. Um, I think like you, it's about challenging conventional thinking and doing things differently and trying to explain this to people and get uh, a tribe behind me was really challenging. So it was scary to step out and do it on my own but eventually, you know, talking to the right people, I found people to build that tribe and get into my corner. I've definitely made mistakes, but one thing about me is I learn from them and you, you don't have to tell me twice. Um, but I also realised I just had to prove the concept and I had to put my money where my mouth is. Um, even in our business model, when you think about social impact investing or diversity and inclusion, you know, it, it's something I had to put my hand in my pocket and back myself. And when I did that, everyone else followed. Yeah, I think that's a really important piece is that, you know, being an entrepreneur and starting something from scratch, talk is one thing, but the actual next level kind of maniacal almost at times commitment to something and the spiritual financial investment that's required to do it, it reaches a tipping point and you reach critical mass. And you've obviously built this whole community and network around you and you've sort of tapped into something that's just kind of there, but you've worked out how to bring it together and help empower, you know, people that are new to our country create their own stories as well. So have you got any really amazing stories of people that have come to you that you feel that you've really been able to help? Well, the story I think that resonates for me and probably was a catalyst to really being an advocate for refugees was um, a young Afghan man who actually had stutter and he um, loved tennis and I met him and um, I just helped facilitate access to Memorial Drive where he could go and have a hit and got people involved to coach him. Then it became this whole Afghan youth tennis program and it wasn't actually about the tennis. It was about connection. It was bringing people together, sharing stories and finding that common commonality. Um, and through that, he just got confidence. The stutter left, you know, fast forward. He went to uni here. He got his CPA. He's a practicing accountant. For me, it's about people like him. They're the reason why I do get up at 5 a.m. and I don't want to waste an opportunity. But more so, community corporate's also about tapping into the potential and aspirations of businesses and leaders in the community. They want to help. I haven't met anyone who doesn't want to do good, but sometimes they just need someone to help navigate that space. There's different tiers of leadership. There's leadership that reflects back what the populace is, and that can be good at times. I think we're in a bit of that at the moment. How many people have you helped with community corporate? Like, if you could put, is it like a hundred? Is it how many people have you no, helped? It would place? be closer to a thousand. People say that um, I get shit done, and I think the key ingredient for that outcome is not chasing the credit. 
Do you know what I mean? Like it's about sharing the credit, giving, like you said, giving, empowering people to take the leadership and take the reins. I have this saying that my team often joke about that I'm happy to lead from behind. They don't really believe me. Um, but I want as many voices out there talking about the benefits of diversity and inclusion. I want them to own it. But the ripple effect, the intergenerational transformational mm-hmm. change that mm-hmm. that brings is so monumental. And, you know, stories of refugees are are just, you know, unimaginable. No one chose to be a refugee. No one chose to be thrown into crisis. And when someone opens that door, like actually the phone call I had on, on the way here, um, he's a PhD. He's got so many qualifications, much more than me. He hasn't had a job. He's been in Australia for four years from Iraq. And the employer just rang me and said, you know, absolutely, he's getting a full-time job in this corporate employer here in Adelaide. And I... I know that it's going to mean so much to him. And their their concern is he's overqualified. He's going to be a leader and a role model for other members of the community, like I said, that make the impossible seem possible because he's now got a full-time job. I really like the, the idea of a ripple effect. That's exactly what I think can have more influence here in South Australia than it can anywhere else. Would you do anything differently? Would you... You talked about making mistakes. Is there a moment where you go, you know what, if I did have my time again, I might have not done that? Oh, look, you know, hindsight is a great thing, but I think all my war wounds make me who I am. It's given me the courage and it's given me the confidence to know I stand before people not from an Eiffel Tower but from substance, from having walked in the trenches, fought in the trenches, and all the lessons I've learned and all the mistakes I've made have only made me more determined which I think is what's led to my success. And so we, we, we like to talk about well-being, obviously. What, what's, what does well-being mean to you? It's like what you do on the airplane, right? You have to put the mask on yourself before you can help others. Um, that's always a challenge when you're, you know, an entrepreneur, you're a mum, you're a community leader. But I do take time for myself, absolutely. I, I love music. Um, I listen to very motivational songs in the car. I'm the person that you might see next to you uh, singing along and kind of dancing to sometimes, but it makes me feel good. It motivates me. Um, I love food. I love going out, obviously, to the food and wine um you know, experience here in Adelaide, but I also love cooking for my my kids. And so I think, you know, well-being is also about knowing what I'm fighting for. And I'm lucky that what I do isn't a job. It's just a life's purpose. But I think it's really important that we do have to invest in ourselves because we're in the driver's seat. So, and having that safety net of people that you can talk to and trust um, because everyone's going through it at the moment. Having these networks and things like the alumni really does create a safe place to go, shit, you're going through it too? Yeah, it's been tough. Let's go have a G&T. <laughs> Is there any other advice you'd provide to your younger self? Uh, I should have asked for more business cards earlier when I met people um, because now that's my best tip to like young people starting in a career. I say always, if you go somewhere and you meet someone amazing, ask for their business card and then write where you met them. So even if you find a use for them in three years time, you can say, hey, do you remember when you came and spoke to my school? If I had adopted that kind of discipline earlier on, um, who knows, it may have happened sooner. But, you know, if I was going to be brutally honest, the one thing I would change 
change about South Australia is just this over-regulation. You know, trust in us. We make good decisions. We chose to live here. We want the best for the state and I think we need to be given a bit more um, empowerment to make our own decisions. You know, look, one could say that served us well in COVID because when we had to lock down, we followed the rules. But ultimately, you know, embracing and empowering entrepreneurs and their free spirit to challenge, create ideas, to have a battle of ideas in a really safe environment is so important. Um, that's why, you know, I don't know if you're going to play this, Dino, but one day, yeah, I hope to be Premier because I'm going to be one of those one-term Premiers that just challenge everything, rip it up and give the confidence to the community and say, if I dissolved the Legislative Council and gave you all that money to innovate and create something new for Adelaide, what would you do? And let them have a referendum. I'd probably get voted out. But I really believe the people of Adelaide have the answers. Let's engage with them more and have really robust conversations and not worry about election cycles. So you've been able to create a national business. What's the next big idea? How do you then continue to grow that? And what is it about community corporate that you think is going to transform more people's lives? I never felt... um confined to the geographics of Adelaide. Like we're completely connected through Wi-Fi and, and relationships now. Again, the people power really fueled my ambition to know the idea resonates globally. This is an issue impacting 70 million people that are displaced across the world, 30 million of which are refugees. And we only take, you know, 0.0 6% in Australia, you know, 18,000 refugees a year. Surely there are people out there that want to make a difference and are aware of this, you know, global issue impacting on others. And absolutely, when I asked the question, um, we were able to get partners in, you know, every state and territory apart from Northern Territory and Tassie. And recently we've been approached by the Global Tent Partnership for Refugees, working with companies that have been based out of Germany and, you know, the UK, US, who have operations in Australia and and again, they just needed someone to think globally but act locally with them and that's the role that community corporate plays. So I just think that there's been no barriers living in Adelaide for my business whatsoever. The barrier is myself and my gumption to go out and ask the question and know what we've produced in Adelaide is absolutely world-class and we can compete with people in Sydney and Melbourne, which we've done and proven is working well. To finish, other than becoming the Premier and blowing it up, what's the big idea? It's really hard to find one kind of big, hairy, audacious goal for Adelaide because I have so many and I think they're all interconnected. And I just feel really happy even in the, these challenging times. I feel really happy and, you know, proud of everything I've achieved and everything I've set out to achieve. I actually went to my GP the other day and I said, I, you know, I haven't been sleeping or I'm living on four hours and surely something must be wrong with me. Maybe I'm depressed. And he said, workaholic, you are. Maybe a little bit chubby, yes. But depressed, my dear, you are not. <laughs> and um, so I just kind of think, yeah, I, I do find the silver lining in everything, but that's because I have clarity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I'm clear, I'm kind to myself. I know what I'm doing. I'm making conscious choices. And, you know, my big idea is just, you know, really empowering the people of South Australia to know we've got your back and that, you know, I'd love to see more people taking risks, leading entrepreneurial opportunities and impacting the world from Adelaide and proving that it can happen. Probably that's the other bad thing about Adelaide. You know, 15-minute parking, like seriously, it's 20 minutes minimum. Like we said, 20-minute city. 15 minutes, I can't even go into the bank. <laughs> Change the parking, Adelaide City Council. What happens, what happens when there's not parking anymore? 
What happens when people don't need vehicles? What are we going to do to the city then? Uh, you don't see the types of shoes I wear. Hey, no, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's what I love about Adelaide, though. You can drive anywhere. You can pretty much park anywhere if you're prepared to walk. It's accessible. I think it's about again, not. It's not a one size fits all. I absolutely commend and congratulate you know people like my friend who drive around or ride around on a bicycle. But that's not going to be me. Um, so we need to have options. We need to have bike lanes. We need to have parking. We need to have transport systems and great, you know, walkways as well. But it's being inclusive. This is diversity and inclusion as well in infrastructure and transport. This basically just means we need to create a place that considers everyone. Who would have thought that's completely revolutionary? I know, right? Thanks to Carmen for sharing her story and taking us through her city. If you'd like to find out more about Carmen and the business she leads, you can do that at communitycorporate.com.au. 20 Minute City is a podcast series created by Future Forum in collaboration with Dash Studio and City Mag. If 20 minutes isn't enough, head to future-forum.com.au for more from the people who make Adelaide better. In our next instalment, we'll chat with Ben Tripodi. CEO of Lumen Sports and Hope. All these incredible global sports stars, we, we understood that actually what made them so incredible is they were very self-aware and that they were well people. And so it doesn't mean they weren't, they, they didn't have their struggles, but there was just this support structure around them. We really understood the mindset of what it means to be a champion. And generally speaking, those athletes go to become champions in every aspect of their life. just like that, our time is up. 20 Minute City has been produced on Ghana Country.